Salutations, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Recap Book Chat. My name is Kate, and this is my mom, Sheila. And we are just so excited that you're with us today. And I wanted to share a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. I am part of everything that I have read. What have you been reading? We'll share with you what we've been reading and what's at the top of our book stack. And welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for joining us. We have just finished a, a wonderful historical fiction read. It is called The Blackout Book Club by Amy Lynn Green. And this was a gift from my principal, Jana Knowlton. And I, I had never even seen a historical fiction uh, like blacking out and everything from uh, the the viewpoint of Americans. So this takes place in Maine. And yes. I didn't know that. So I learned a lot. I, I thought this was really cool. So this was published in 2022. So it's very new. And um, yeah, we've, we've done a lot of historical fictions around World War II, but never one stateside. So I loved it. I mean, five stars across the board. I well, loved it. You know, I think there's something in it for everyone because the way the book, she wrote the book uh, very creatively because there's four people, they're different age, different ages in life, different seasons and different things are going on. So you will probably, and then there's even other characters, but you'll probably resonate with one of those. Yes. But, you know, and, and then she throws in other people that are colorful too, so. So you have all these different side stories, but every they all interconnect. So she, yeah, really great job. And then I, I love the historical side too. Like the, I did not realize. So she wrote in there that in 1942, the Nazis sank 233 ships um, and killed 5,000 people because Americans on the coast were not adhering to the blackout regulations. So mm -hmm. it, it took it, it took them a couple years to actually and they weren't really publicizing what the Nazis were doing. So no. they they didn't know, but they weren't which I still don't understand why the American government didn't tell them. Yeah. Um it would have been nice, wouldn't it? So but I mean I guess they should have been doing it anyway. <laughs> the no, blackout. But a lot of times you have your rebels and your rebels will do something if they know why. That's true. You know, if you knew why, like I still think of uh, that was in World War um, Two, I believe, when um, Japan put all those balloons in the air and our government never said anything. They just wanted to start a forest fire in North America and nobody said anything. And it cost the lives of that one um, Sunday school class. And she was an expectant. She was ex expecting a child. And then her class was either six or eight kids. But they found it in the Oregon uh, park that they were in and they touched it well everybody would probably and it killed them oh my goodness yeah that's so but, sad. but they wouldn't have touched it if they'd known these mysterious balloons that you know because they let i mean it was like a thousand and wow or it might even been more i heard that and i was like i didn't even know about that and mm -hmm. but you're because uh your brother Caleb, I told him about, and he said, yeah, I know about that. I knew about that. Well, he's in the fire. 
um, yeah. part. That was probably a big part of their history being a, you know, a fire marshal. You have to know everything. So mm. about that. Anyway, I was, uh, it's, and there's another part in here where her husband joins this kind of like, uh, I don't know, renegade. Hooligan, hooligan Navy, isn't that what they call it? Yes. And I never heard of that. Ever. Me either. And that was fascinating. Yeah. And, and I don't think I ever thought about, because you we read about the war heroes, we read about that, but we don't ever hear about, what about someone who didn't make it, who's 4F? We don't hear about them. And So explain, husband, explain what the hooligan Navy was. Well, I'll, I'll let you explain that part. And I'll explain that Avis Montgomery, she's the one that's starting out. And she's just like reading magazines and she's a newlywed. She wants to be the perfect wife and everything. And then she married her brother's best friend, whose name's Russell, and her brother's Anthony. Anthony is the librarian in the town of Derby. And um, anyway, Russell and Anthony go to join up, in, and uh, Anthony's taken, and Russell gets 4F because of his asthma, and uh, he gets depressed and everything, and she's reading the magazines. She's, she's not a book reader. She's a magazine reader. And then she he just kind of withdraws a little bit and then he has that spark comes back to him when and i'll let you take it from there about the hooligans because i forgot about the name so yeah so he's and i think that was i liked how she described that too because we don't really understand that because that that is not in our culture right now that um you know in the wars that i've been alive in um the people that didn't go to war they weren't looked down on at all and I think in this society, it's like if you were a young man and you weren't at war, there was a stigma, you know, and, and you don't think, and even if you weren't trying to get out of it, like he really wanted to go, he wanted to serve, he tried multiple things. Um, so it, I think they did a good job of showing just like what it would be like when you really want to and you don't get to. And so anyway, the, the hooligan Navy filled that void. And so they took the people that were, uh, what are you, 4F? um and or is it f4 I, I don't know i don't know what it is but they didn't make it they didn't make the cut because of health reasons usually and so we could use the word rejected because i should have been in tune with this more than most people because my dad was rejected and i think that affected him for the rest of his life basically because his both his brothers or three of them both his brothers got in but he didn't really yes and when I'm reading this book, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that, that I didn't kind of, you know, I felt bad that he didn't because I he he I could tell it bothered him. But that's a rejection that you, you know, you it, it, of course, Russell was lucky because he got to serve, but you can't serve your country. And then everybody looks down on you because they don't know you're you were rejected. They oh. just think you never signed up or you didn't go or, you know, uh, what was he rejected if, for? his heart oh he had a bad heart wow yeah and and you know so i i, I got that and i i felt you know i felt like i was kind of with russell and i just it was so happy when you know the like it's like it's almost like they made this up to help these people who couldn't do anything and i thought is this even real is this real you know but actually they served a great purpose yeah so so what people people would donate their yachts or boats or whatever small um, watercraft that was available that was not military grade 
and they would have these hooligan navy and they would train them but it's not with the military so they they didn't have to wear a uniform they didn't do all that but they would train them how to use a radio how to use sonar to hear sound and i think they even train them how to use like detonators or different things like that if needed but their job was to kind of patrol and it looks like they're fishing or it looks like they're doing something that's not military but what they're really doing is on the lookout for these um these nazi subs or um, any any type of Nazi uh, watercraft because the Nazis knew that we weren't prepared to deal with that apparently and they they took out a bunch of merchant marines they took out a bunch of coast guard people and before this was created so th- I think this helped a lot in in the prevention of um, any more loss of our um, watercraft you know mm-hmm. so they did a great job and like and and he said he felt like he belonged because. Mm-hmm. these people his wife didn't understand him she didn't know what's going on like you know she, these people knew exactly what was going on they had been rejected too they felt that and they really banded together and um there's so much camaraderie and so it really and then he said i feel like i'm doing something to help mm-hmm. the cause you know she, she didn't understand at the beginning but because he said you don't even have any friends to avis because she hadn't been a part of a group. Then the book club starts and she starts that as a fluke. The whole thing was as a fluke because she's, she's not even a reader, but she doesn't want the library. Uh, her brother Louise, makes her promise. Yeah, her brother Louise, really pushes her into it. Yeah. Louise Cavendish. She's the owner of the library. It's not like a public thing. Her dad donated this. So Louise says, I'm going to close the library down so I can get this uh, place. I want to help these moms take care of their kids. I'm going to build a facility to do that. And I'm going to use the library for that. And so in a harebrained idea, she said, oh, well, I'm going to do a book club. And then that just snowballed. So I think when when Russell and Avis had their big trouble is because he wants something. He knows it because, you know, at this time he would have played sports in high school. He would have known about camaraderie and then she didn't know about it. And I think with the book club, then she learned. And then, oh, man, it just made uh, it, it because the book club was not all people from the same walk of life. It was different people from different walks of life. So, and she was one of them. And um, why don't you tell uh, almost everybody's favorite that I talked to was Jenny. You want to talk about Jenny? So, yes. So the book, so the book club starts and there's this a small group of what they call the regulars. And so obviously there's Avis, the head librarian. There's Louise, the owner of the library, who's in her late fifties, I want to say as kind of a spinster um and then there's uh jenny and she is she's from uh An the long longshore island right and she's mm-hmm. she grew up impoverished and they didn't have a lot of money and she had a kind of a rough childhood but extremely hard worker and what what jenny brings is just this honesty she's very honest and i think a lot of times we need those pe- we need Jennies in our life because sometimes people are so polite they don't say what needs to be said and so Jenny just brought this um uh, just this rawness and this honesty to the group that kind of helped shake things up a little bit so and so you have Jenny and she's funny she's she's a great character and then you have um Wait, on Jenny I think her family had money but it, her mother had a gambling problem. 
because at one point, and I was trying to find it, uh, she was uh, on Long Island, Maine. She was like, her family was, Jenny's family was one of the wealthiest on the island on account of having steady work. The depression had knocked other folk like the Conways, that, that's her um, boyfriend, uh, down often enough that they stopped trying to get up. And I went, whoa. And it said, Mr. Conway was snowed, snow in box, wood box poor. Snow in wood box poor. Okay. So they had, so they had, well, and they, they, the government took their land. Yeah. So domain took their land. And so she went uh, to Derby. That's what brought her. I guess I, I guess I missed that because I just thought, because she's a little bit uncouth. Yeah. So I I just but I guess that's just from cuz she and she, she I would say she's middle class though. She wasn't like upper class because she oh, still had to like, She's not like Louise, but picture this. Uh, uh um Huck Finn. <laughs> she's a Huck Finn type character cuz she's living off the fat of the land. I mean, she's on an island, so they're not uh they don't have to do the hold your pinky out when you have tea type deal. She's yeah. on an island. So she's a free spirit. But yeah. she was wealthy on her island. And um, like you said, she had, she didn't really, we really didn't get the sense that she loved uh, Matt Conway, but he asked her and she was, he was, it's kind of weird because uh, Mac was her brother's best friend where Ava's, Ava's married her brother's best friend. Mm-hmm. So um, she, she said like, you you know, a boy going off to war, you hate to break up with someone right then. So, you well, yeah, he basically said that he wanted to go out with her as he was going off to war because he wanted someone to write to. And, you know, she felt like that was her patriotic duty, which I would feel the same way, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he is a family friend and he's going off to war. You, you, you know, you want to have that be able to write to him and stuff. And so so then that, so that's Jenny. And then you kind of have this mysterious character named Freddy. And you don't know, he's pretty closed off about his past. Wait, wait just a second. You forgot about Martina. Okay, you can do Martina. Yeah, Martina, because the girls, there's four main girls. Martina um, is from Italy. And because her story is, well, when you said mysterious, she's mysterious. There's some mystery here, but she has two precious kids. Um, Gio, I called him Gio through the whole book. And then uh somebody was listening to it on audible and they said they pronounced it joe but i i just don't um so let us know the correct pronunciation if you know (laughs) yeah giorgio is i think his name but geo is what i called him and then his sister's rosa he's the oldest but where's the dad and he was supposed to go fight in the navy and all this kind of but it's just kind of a mystery hanging there and she works with jenny in the is it the foundry yes okay and um they build a camaraderie even though jenny's single and you know she's saving every dime she makes because she wants to get the island back she wants to buy the island back and and martina lives in a little bitty house little trailer and she's surviving but she reads to her kids i mean she's reading uh i was just like oh that's so sweet because you know she's tired you know she's exhausted Yes. And I thought that was an interesting point too, historically, because we don't really think about the women in the factory and stuff like that. And so they were, they were, they had to work in the factory and they were helping, they were a big part of the war effort, getting all these materials 
that they needed for war or you mm-hmm. know the women were actually making it. and this was hard labor and so but it was interesting too because a lot of them didn't have child care but they were when free child care was offered miss miss cavendosh or louise was trying to see how many people would be interested there no one was really interested because no one wanted to take charity mm-hmm. so it was, doesn't that does that connect with Pollyanna? Yes, when they're trying to, uh, and it, they call it false charity there because there's there's no heart. But Pollyanna makes it real when she they're giving the calves foot jelly and they're all that. You know, she's like, "Well, we hope you have a good day today," and all that. She's talking with them the other way. They just dropped it off and left. But yeah. she's trying to get a relationship going. I did want to say in Martina, it said, I had a Hamlet quote, and then Martina's mom had said something. Hamlet says, one may smile and smile and be a villain. Or as Martina's mom says, you can't judge a monk by his robe. The robes don't make the monk. Yes. I like that. So I picture her uh, husband, whose name was Patrick, is kind of dashing good looks and uh, a smooth talker. And uh, that's what uh, is it, it's, it's creepy when when you learn that you cannot really trust anybody, you know, you can't. Well, and that's the whole reason she Martina ends up in Derby. She's trying to get away and hide from her husband. Mm-hmm. So he's supposed to be in the Navy. But anyway, that's that's and you don't really know what she's you, you you don't really have a lot of uh, on that except you know all we'll say is that he does come back even, but <laughs> so, even okay. jenny doesn't know she doesn't even confide in anybody which no. i i don't know why she doesn't tell jenny and I mean, the other true. thing about that i thought was interesting too that you don't think about is that so about the uh the biased uh against um italian americans mm-hmm. you didn't really think about that so she's even though she's live from america i think right like mm-hmm. but her mom was full um italian or whatever yeah but there's there's a lot of uh bias against martina like they look at her suspiciously because she had talks with an accent and you know is is uh italian and you you just don't think about that but at that time mussolini mm-hmm. you know they he was on the side of the nazi germany so everyone is looking out for spies which that kind of connects with the last book shop in london where they took that those people that were italian that have lived there forever and they took them away remember they owned the tea shop or something uh i i on page 10 i have a really good quote before we do louise and it was this is from anthony he's or it might have been russell focus on what you can control because apparently avis is a bit of a control freak so she wants to control everything. But he said, focus on what you can control. And I said, man, that could help us all. Because there's a lot we, we don't have any control over. So should we be worry, working on that or just on ourselves? Basically, we're the only one we have any control on. That's uh, very true. Over, you know. So on to Louise, Miss Cavendish. And she's a complex character. She's a little um, snooty because she's the wealthiest one in the group. And she she holds the library, the fate of the library in her hand. And anyway, but Avis's plan works. And so they have the book club. But of course, Miss Cavendish, she's going to come. And then she also said they had to take notes. And those were part of my favorite part of the book because the uh, 
the person that took the notes changed. First, it was just Avis. And then she, and then when Jenny took them, they're, they're just adorable, her notes. And she's just blunt, like you said. And then we meet um, uh, Freddie. You want to talk about Freddie? So Freddie is a mysterious character that shows up on Louise's doorstep. And he's a wounded vet. Um, he has an eye patch. And he used to be in the um, Air Force, I guess. Or he was, he, a, he was pilot. a pilot. And um, so anyway, she ends up giving him a job as her gardener. So it's supposed to be a temporary thing. And anyway, he's, he's her gardener, but he ends up joining the book club as well. And, but he's very, he's well-educated, he's well-read and everybody really likes him. And he's really good to Martina's kids and um oh, he's, he's adorable he's adorable with geo especially but yeah. there's something that and jenny's pretty observant you know mm -hmm. and she's like she can tell he's hiding something so and we won't say what that is but he is hiding something and and she did catch him in a lie and i did write this down because i thought this was a good quote that um remember that jenny and she was remembering something her mom had told her remember that jenny the ordinary lies, the ones easy to admit to, often hide something worse. So mm -hmm. I was like, sure. huh, that's, yeah. So, uh, so at one point, she, he does admit to a lie that she caught him in pretty easily. And then she's like, oh, that means he's probably hiding something, a bigger lie. So, which so he she was. she just doesn't but we, trust you know. him, you know. Yeah. And then um, there's uh, Miss Cavendish, or Louise. She has... Uh, a cook and she's uh, French Canadian. So she, you know, you could think she's going to have a little accent or something, but uh, she is, um, I like her because she is not afraid of Louise and most everybody is a little bit, not maybe afraid of her, but what, what intimidated, intimidated. It's perfect. But sometimes um, <laughs> she says one time, I haven't lived 80 years without being able to bought a fib and then louise says you're 77 and they said and then delphi said didn't they teach you how to round in that fancy school you went to <laughs> and I, I love getting to see the transformation of louise like she really grows and through and the book club helps so much because through this book club which was seemingly not a big deal um, is a big deal for everyone involved. Like they really, yes. they each needed each other in a different way. And it just and you really know is beautiful. Life can be like that. Something that you think might not be a big deal, like taking flowers to a shut-in or doing something like that. That doesn't seem like a big deal, but it might be a big deal to that person. Mm -hmm. So you start out with something that seems pretty, it, and it was pretty raw, rocky start. And then, man, they, they're sharing and they're they're um, learning about each other. And then that just kind of implode. I mean, they, then they reach out and she even uh, sends a book to Russell and she sends one to Anthony. And then Anthony shares it with all his people. And, the, you know, it just kind of blossoms. And I, I loved that. I just thought and they even let the kids pick out books. Yes. And I love that they really included them. And, you know, it reminded me of something you told me a long time ago um that you know because we I grew up in a sibling group of three and so you said something about each each one of us had different interests and when you're in a family you kind of learn even if you're not interested in something it it grows your 
your scope of things, I guess, because mm-hmm. you get you get exposure to things you wouldn't normally be exposed to because, oh, that's you know, so true. I'm not Your a team. big football person, but because my older brother was, I, I know a lot about football. And then my younger brother, I learned a lot about Legos that I probably wouldn't have known, you know, like, hey, so it's really like helped you when you had your boys, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. So it's cool because, and I think that's what the book club does too, because they were letting other different people suggest different things and they were reading outside of their comfort zone. Yes. So they would read books and be exposed to things. And later on, um, I thought it was good because Martina was able to use, uh, because sometimes when something hard happens, especially with kids, it's hard to explain it sometimes mm-hmm. in ways that they'll understand. And books offer that I don't know what avenue. you call it. It's, a, it's an avenue to talk to them about difficult situations. A connection. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and it's something that they already know. And so if you can connect it with something you've read, you're like, oh, so I kind of understand why mm-hmm. that person did this or why they didn't do that. Or And so. also it's good to, um, like going back to the Count of Monte Cristo, man, if people would read that like in high school, when you met these people that are contaminants, and there are some out there. You need to be aware of that. Man, after you read that book, you will you will know. That's Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. He's a contaminant. He's yeah. you are Don Glar. Oh. Look, and, and good connections. We should be looking for them. Mm-hmm. Because we are supposed to be as as um innocent as doves and wise as serpents. So we should be looking for those people. We don't want, you know, a lot of times people don't want to do that like you said sometimes Jenny said what needed to be said but people don't want to say it but and Louise was the same way when someone was um I I I don't know by I don't have a good word for it gossiping yeah trash talking or gossiping about Avis at this event where um they were all gathered and Avis wasn't there man Louise put the kibosh on it Mm -hmm. and I loved what Jenny did she went over there and kind of gave her a hug and said yeah they don't even know our avis do they and then but but miss cavendish she said i'm sure avis is quite capable of taking up for herself if she was here but she's not so and she told them she said sometimes we do need to tell people when they're doing something wrong or something but the only one that would benefit is the one that you're talking about and if she's not here why are you talking about her and i thought oh yeah that was she said it to so succinctly that she put the kibosh on that definitely i mean yeah, wow. that was a good part yeah um oh this is another I, I like this quote too um but the way jenny saw it you could let the storm dash you on the rocks or you could uh or you could roll with the tide so i was like i think that's good sometimes it's like you can either fight what's you know you could either be things going around around you could crumble kind of in the whatever the chaos of the situation or you can kind of roll with the tide and figure it out and be like you know what let's let's what's happening you know we can use this learn from it Mm. so well i think it was um i was trying to figure out who had who said it but I think it was Jenny. And of course, the book, you know, you're like into the book on page 189. But she said, books are better shared, you know. So she was going to send a copy of a book to Mac. And I'm thinking, and at first, she was just in it for the refreshments. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. 
Yeah, but she was like, oh my goodness. But I, she I, actually was, she helped recruit other people. So it oh, was yes, funny. She was the recruiter. Yeah. yeah. So they needed, they needed Jenny. And, um, and I just love, I love the way that Amy Lynn Green writes. She just did a great job of pulling in history and tying these people's stories together. And like um, when I posted on our recap book chat, she responded and I thought that was really cool. She said, I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed it. And I'm like, I did. And I appreciate the work that went into it because uh, you can tell she did her research and I don't know if you noticed, but she dedicated this to teachers and librarians. Oh, no, I so didn't notice that. I thought that was sweet, too. Yeah, she said, to all the teachers and the librarians who encourage a love of reading, but especially oh, the goodness. ones who had an impact on my young life. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I also, um, there's a, an underlying uh, story going on about a young Louise that takes place in like 1910s or something like that, 19, and about her and her father. And um, there's a problem there with her and her father. But I do have a quote from her father. She said, father had said something like that. We're talking about um, how charity can be offered in a way that takes away a person's dignity. And then she remembered her father because um, they read the book Pygmalion, which was like um, My Fair Lady. Yeah. And anyway, she said, um, that's what most don't understand. He'd said, gesturing at her and her brother fictional characters are often more real than the flesh and blood people around us in the ways that matter that is and i went woo because if people are being fake around you and someone's a really good author then you're meeting real people in, in the book mm. and your people are being fake and so i thought wow that is deep so speaking of her dad i wanted to ask you this question so there's questions in the back of the book that so I'm, I'm not, we're not going to do them all, but I saw this one and I was like, huh, I wanted to get your opinion on it. So one of the, the riffs that Louise had with her dad is that he loved to read and she felt like he loved his books more than her. He gave his books more attention than her. So mm -hmm. do you agree with Louise that it's possible to love a good thing like books too much? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess you could even put like Bible study is a good thing, but if you just did Bible study all the time. That's why in the Bible, it, it talks about the balance you need, you know, like in even Solomon, who, who didn't have a whole lot of balance in his life, 700 wives, but uh, he says to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose. So there's a time to read. And then there would be a time to um, communicate with your daughter. And, and, and my, my question was, why didn't he read to her? Yeah, I think, well, he was, I think he was grieving the loss of his wife and I think books were escapism for him. I think that was his escape. So I think he didn't handle the death of his wife very well and he just wanted to escape his grief. And that's where he found that relief was in books. And then he just kind of forgot about her. So. And whereas that might not have mattered so much uh, if she had known, you know, like my dad was an absent dad because he was on the road all the time driving. But I don't know. I was really solid in the fact that I knew that he loved me hmm. and he cared. But he spent he didn't spend a whole lot of time because he was gone. I just don't think she thought he loved her. Yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't vocalize it. it. Yeah. yeah. But he could have written it in a note or he could have 
because I knew that he loved her because he cared for her because there's things happening and he does have her best interest at heart. He does have it. But like you said, he's dealing with his grief and then she's kind of it's it's kind of like they were both picking at each other's sores kind of they were not that's a bad analogy but mm, they weren't helping yeah. each other no they they kept re-wounding yeah yeah and i mean she she wanted to do the right thing and he i think he he loved her deeply but i it made me sad when she told martina that you know she told that to her because martina was a reader and she kind of slapped her in the face with words like well you can read too much that could be a bad thing but you know she's working at a job she's that's her only joy is reading to herself and her kids that's it for martina i mean yes. so i was just like really louise come on get a grip but then you see she had a she had things happen in her past so actually you know i think this shows me that we're all a lot more connected than we think we are mm-hmm Everybody yes. has hard things and everybody, but just some people handle them differently, uh, kind of depending on your, uh, I was reading the, my friend, Ashley Skipper gave me this book to read and it's change your brain every day. And in there, oh my goodness, it's by Dr. Amen or Amen. Uh, he talks about the, the soldiers that get PTSD and the ones that don't. Some of them are in the, ex and he's seen this all. Some of them are in the exact same event or combat. <laughs> and some of them get it and some of them don't. It's how healthy your brain is. Mm. Isn't that amazing? That's very interesting. He, yeah, I want to do a podcast on that book because he, he goes through this acronym called Bright Ideas. Bright Minds, I think. Bright Minds. And then each one, he tells you, each one is an acronym for, stands for something and um i i'm just thinking that might help everybody like one of the things we were supposed to like learn something new every day you're supposed to you know be careful what what you put into your brain and stuff mm. so that reminded me of uh, unbroken so they're on that raft and yes. who had the who had the growth mindset they survived the ones that did yeah even though the one that didn't make it he had he had the more food. He ate all the chocolate. Yeah. Shame on him. Shame on him. I can't believe he did that, but yes. And that's such a vivid depiction of the, of our mm. life actually, because they were all in the same boat, literally. Yes. <laughs> literally. And the one with the growth mindset um, and he, he, they survived, but the fixed mindset. So when you go back to the book clubs, I think Louise, we can say, started out with a fixed mindset. Absolutely. Yes. And she, and it shows you, and really so did Avis. She didn't like mm -hmm. books. No. You know, they're different ages, but really they both kind of didn't like books. And Jenny was just there for, there was only one reader and it was Martina. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the only reader. Well, and Anthony, group. but he was overseas. So, yeah. But it's amazing. And then it, there comes a point where she's trying to hide it from Anthony that Louise is going to close the library. And then finally, she decides she's going to tell him. And man, then that 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 snowballs and uh, a bunch of, you know, you, you need, I think this book also tells you we need help from our friends. Mm -hmm. And they can't help you if they don't know. That's true. So share. Let someone else, I mean... 
I, I think that's, that's, uh, well, there was just a, so much in this book. I mean, something happens and Jenny doesn't go to book club for like two weeks or whatever. And then they send Freddie with some cookies and um to distract her yeah and he takes her to the beach or the shore or whatever i don't know if maine has a beach but to to the water and they talk and he tells him he tells her a big secret his big secret and all that but meanwhile and you just think it was just kindness but it's not all the other book club people are in there cleaning her uh, apartment and brought food and and then even Delphi, though, she says when when she returned and Jenny saw what was going on, she's like, what? And Delphi said, well, it's a good thing we brought food because you don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that camaraderie, it, it, it was just I, I don't know. And another time you saw it when Louise went to the foundry to to talk to all the women that had children. And she's talking, I think she gave them lemonade. And did she have cookies or something or sandwiches or something? Yeah. And everybody's there and Jenny's there, you know, they're kind of supporting Louise in this difficult situation because um, the women just weren't receptive. And all the women gave her back a card, but Jenny and uh, Martina were there, you know, kind of to encourage her, but she noticed all the cards were blank. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'm so glad they were there. You know how when you're in a, a strange place and you see a familiar face, it's so wonderful they don't even have yes. to say anything you're just like oh hi I liked how it said she said that and I didn't write it down but in the book I, I remember when she's giving her little speech about this it says that she looks out and she sees Jenny and Martina and she's and it said her smile was genuine so I think that's what you're saying like it's you don't really it's hard to have a genuine smile when you don't know anybody but she saw them and was able to give uh, you know speech. yes mm -hmm. So, but it's a great book. I highly recommend it. I, I love historical fiction. Amy Lynn Green, I, fabulous job. And and we didn't even, there's some pretty, we didn't get into it because we don't want to spoil it, but there's some pretty intense scenes. There's, because like I said, there's a mystery with Freddie. There's kind of the mystery with Patrick, Martina's ex-husband. And all that kind of, you, you know, culminates. And there's a, there's a, a big scene kind of at the end. So, um, I do have a quote. I have a really good quote that will help everyone. <laughs> every every woman needs this quote. This is from Anthony. So uh, during the book, you get the minutes of the of the book club, and you also get letters from Anthony and Russell. And this is from Anthony, uh, and because she's talked about uh, Russell and kind of unloaded on Anthony, and he says, "Tell the man what you're thinking. Chances are he hasn't got a clue." <laughs> very true do you love that yes I mean, and she did yes yeah finally but it was uh wonderful i thought just it it it's cool because it changes every chapter is a different narrator or from a different point of view and then you um I, then you I get the you get the minutes and yeah. that's fun too because that like you said that switches so the tone again she's a very talented writer because the tone of voice changes because, um, you know, you get the, the third person view of what's happening in people's lives. But then like at the book club notes, you get to hear their voice. And so when Jenny's writing, you get to hear her thoughts about the book club meeting. And when Freddie's writing or when Avis is taking notes. So very well done. And Jenny doesn't hold anything back. But you know what, Miss uh, Cavendish or Louise, you know, she never did take the notes. Yeah, but well, she owns the building. I wouldn't take the notes either. <laughs> <laughs>
if I didn't have to. So. Well, and then you just get to, and then I liked how in the back she lists all the books that the book club read. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then all the books that the book club mentioned. And at one time, um, Delphi suggests reading an Edgar Allan Poe poem, or was it poem or book? But um, it really made, it, it made Louise mad. And she told her, she went and asked her, like, why did you suggest that? What is your problem about that? And then uh, Delphi said, secrets need to be told. So right then, oh, yeah, the telltale heart. And so I'm thinking, so, you know, there's a secret and, you know, Delphi knows the secret, but of course the reader, you know, you're like, huh? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, pause. Great job. Great job. Yes. And that's a wrap on the Blackout Book Club by Amy Lynn Green. We highly recommend it if you haven't read it. If you have, we'd love to connect with you on our Facebook group and continue the conversation. And here's a quote from uh, Robert Louis Stevenson. I always, I kept always two books in my pocket, one to read and one to write in. So I hope you're, you've got a book in your pocket and you're going to have a great, great day of learning and uh, connecting with people. And we just hope you keep those pages turning and those book lights burning. And we will see you on the next one. <laughs>